G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. And we are back to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm your host. We do this every two weeks with the world's smartest cleverest, most creative search engine optimizing experts, thought leaders, educators, and the like. Our guest today, Ferry Kazoni. G'day, Ferry. Hello there. Hi. Good, good to be back again. Great to have you back. So he is a second-time guest. We, we don't do this very often, but sometimes we get to that end of that first conversation and we go, oh my God, we just scratched the surface of, of what we could talk about. So we did promise after that first episode that we would have Ferry back to get into a bit more detail. So Ferry is the founder and quite, would you call it LinkedIn famous Ferry? I don't know. Like in the SEO world, your, your name is quite well known and your content, which we'll get to, is very popular. Could be, could be. Yeah, I think LinkedIn is my main platform. That's where I express my you know thoughts and uh, even emotions sometimes. Now, because you've been on the show before, I won't ask the usual question, but I will ask you one question. Can you please name one actionable tip for the SEOs listening to this podcast today to implement on a site that they're working on? My instinct almost um, tries to get me to say, oh, just learn to do PR link building. But but I'm not going to say that. I will say something else. Yeah. I'll say probably even more important than, you know, any other, you know, content creation or um, off-site SEO, such as, you know, link building. The UX is probably the most important element to learn. And I would, if if I would want to level up my skills as an SEO, I would definitely yeah. go and learn and study US, uh, like UX and, um, and user experience because the, a good user experience will amplify everything that you have outside of that, like content, links, you know, internal size structure, technical SEO, everything will be amplified by having a great user experience. When the, when the user lands on the page, is the search intent being served in the shortest time frame possible and in the best way mm-hmm. possible? Is that the best... Is that the you know is that the best page they can ever land on for any specific query, and I think user mm-hmm. experience is a big big thing that anyone could do, and sometimes um, when I build a page, I love I love to play around with, with with UX and you know just just play around either via code because of course I'm, I'm I love to code as well but uh, even yeah. just in the browser I just inspect element and play around you know with borders play around with. Uh, the way I put the elements on uh, colors and everything, just make sure, you know, you learn UX. And there's so many ways to to learn UX and to experiment. But I would say if if, I, if an SEO uh, person asked me what, what's the best thing they could do, probably become a UX guru and mm. you will become an SEO guru just by having, you know, a, a great UX skill. That's the thing, like with SEO, we get so lost in it. You know, there's tactics and there's strategies, there's all these different things. What does Google want? You know, site speed and all these technical elements. But like all of those things are only about the user, about yeah. making sure that user experience is a pleasant one. Like every little 
algorithm change, any change in definition to the way that they're honing in on content, it's about the user. So if we can come at it from that angle and center around that, that's, that's you know, can only be good. 100%. And I would say serve the search intent in mm. the best and shortest way, uh, fastest way possible. That's, you know, yep. it, it's as kind of as a concept, it's as simple as as, uh, as it sounds. Okay. So as mentioned, Ferry has been on before. So if you want to scroll back through our previous episodes, on the last chat we had, he talked a lot about, you know, how he first got into SEO. We talked about his first his first gig. He came in through the side door. He had to start working from a different angle to most SEOs. Um, and then he taught himself lots around, you know, the technical stuff and then getting into, you know, what he's doing now. We went through his whole journey. Now, what Ferry is, is really well known for now is his PR link building and like this really, you know, forward thinking approach that, that they've built at Search Intelligence. So when we last spoke, we talked a lot about the mechanics behind that. What we're going to get to today is an actual case study of a, a client, a situation, and how they were able to, you know, build some really, really strong links through that story focused lens. Now, we're going to get to that. Before we do, though, I'm just curious, what's news? What's been happening in the land of search intelligence? It's been crazy. We had a crazy end of the year in 2022, crazier than I would have ever thought it would be. We almost hit 3 million pounds in revenue in uh, last year, which is crazy. December, we had our biggest months, like 400-something thousand pounds in one month. Yeah, we, we keep on focusing on, you know, on developing the service and further aggressive you know, just developing the process and systems that allow us to further scale. You know, the plan is to scale to 100 employees from 50 employees currently, which is at least, you know, hopefully doubling the team size. I think that's where all all the big focus is going now. So lots of crazy things happening. We are, mm-hmm. we have rented a unit for a secret project that um, I'm not going to reveal just yet, maybe in like two, three months, where people will start seeing, you know, on my socials some different type of content, more, you know, creativity. And these are the two areas that kind of are changing rapidly. You know, our operations and process are getting ready for, you know, a thousand employees uh, organization. And so we are not building, so everything that we build now, it's not going to be for a hundred employees. We still a lot compared to 50 uh, as we have now, but we are building the systems and processes to support 1,000 employees in, you know, the near future. So that's the main focus. And then the other the other big focus is, you know, this secret unit where, yeah. by the way, just a quick hint, we'll have a sauna there as well. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So looking forward to having that live. And then, of course, everyone will see it on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's why I've been so, you know, quiet in the past few weeks on, uh, on LinkedIn mm. because my days are like fully, fully you know, loaded with um, interesting of social media projects, which are, are going to yep. amplify the capabilities of, you know, the social media and the creativity and the entertainment that we, we create uh, for, you know, for the SEO world. I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on that. So your content strategy over the last six months has really evolved. You, you're bringing a lot more of that creativity. Like I love the, the weatherman videos and that production level that you bring to the table. My question for you is like, was that like a long-term plan to get towards or did you just have a funny idea and execute one and went, hey, we're pretty good at this and people seem to like it. Like how did that come about to start that level of production? Yeah, well, I think Mr. Beast has inspired me a lot because he said it's the best content and then the content is so good that people yeah. must watch it. They have no other choice, but like they must watch it. And that's yeah. you know, that's our goal with every piece of content that we create is just create 
the best content that people love to watch, right? It's entertaining, it's informational, it really helps people as well. So how can we combine, you know, extreme entertainment with extreme value to 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 the users where they can actually learn something? So it's that, you know, that intention of creating the best content for, you know, the SEO industry, because there's not, I mean, there's very few, I mean, there's great content, especially written content, like so many great people on LinkedIn, but there's still not, you know, not enough video content that, you know, that goes from like another angle that really gets people to watch them and, you know, be entertained and in, in, informed. So I just found a little niche here and we are really doubling down on this in the coming, you know, months. Yeah, that's really cool. It definitely stands out. You're right. There is a lot of, there's a lot of clever SEOs because a lot of SEOs have a copywriting background. So you see lots, you know, lots of really well-written posts. Liam Fallon's one of my favorite. His posts are always like on point. Oh, Liam. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, Liam. yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, good. He's a good friend. Yeah, but that's a good example of the type of content that's out there. But you're right. Like no one's taking it to that next level of actually putting video behind it, putting that production level stories and the like, like you guys are doing, which is, um, a lot which of is money really cool. To that side, like you would not yeah. believe how much money goes into that department. Crazy. Which I love. Like we've, we've we've had a couple of guests of late where we come at it more from a like that founder's journey, which is what you're going through now, especially like building a business, not for 50, not for 100, but for 1,000. How do we build scalable processes, internal processes, so that when we're at four, five, six, seven, eight hundred people, we don't break yeah. and stuff doesn't go missing and fall through the cracks? And I'm on that founder's journey as well. Like, I, And I really appreciate the level of discipline it takes at this early stage. I'm much earlier than you to put those steps into place. It's it's a real like my biggest fear is you know crumbling on our own weight I think uh, under our own weight and that's that's what happens you know with lots of agencies where they grow yeah. to like you know 100 employees it's like you know it just explodes and it crumbles under yeah. its own weight and that's what we are trying to prevent from this stage and we're getting we are getting ready for you know it's not happening and still having our employees happy um, yeah. where even when we are like 500 employees and still having our clients happy. Uh, and yep. still making profits as well. So if this trio will exist and it will keep on existing where, you know, where we scale, then then that's that's my biggest vision. And my biggest fear is, you know, us crumbling and I'll, I'll do just whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. I hear you. One of my biggest fears as we grow and as we scale is keeping efficiency. Like I don't want to become a big red tape machine. Oh, yeah. Where, because, I, you know, there's plenty of businesses out there that are 100, 150 employees and you're looking at really long turnarounds for answers on stuff because they've got to go through so many levels of, of approval and, and yeah. the like. So uh, that kind of speed to be able to make decisions but not break stuff, it's finding that balance, you know, like that, yeah, it's challenging. Our decisions in our company um, still, and I hope it's going to be like that. If the team says, oh, we need like this, you know, whatever equipment, it's going to be like three grand. Okay, buy it. Buy it now. Yeah. We, we buy it. We don't think about it. We just, you know, we just buy it. And yeah. hopefully we can keep this fast-paced decision-making. Yes, sometimes, you know, we get it wrong. But mm. that if we if we start going towards the processes that will prevent us from, you know, getting things wrong, then that will become a bureaucratic environment and a non-innovative mm. environment. I think innovation happens when you do lots of things and then you experiment, you fail. I just bought a power generator that's 6,500 pounds because, you yeah. know, I thought... Oh, we will we'll be out of power, and then we'll be able to power our office with that. Of course, yeah. we are not out of power because it's not as bad as they they said. 
and that's like a failure, right? I just like I have six and a half grand sitting there in in our unit, and now we have to find a space, a place to um, to, to store it. That's a huge machine. Uh, yeah. And and you know things like these, they they should not happen, but I think they should happen because uh, maybe the next purchase will be, you know, it will turn out well. So uh, it's almost like the like the VC mindset, you know, uh, where they have lots of um, lots of trials, and then one of them works out, and then then that covers everything that they've done wrong, right? That's definitely my my philosophy, and I'm always on this with my team is around just make a decision. If you make a number of decisions in a day, let's say you make ten, and let's say Five of them just don't work out. They were wrong decisions. But you learn quickly. Five yeah. went well. One of those five might be a winner that actually pushes you a long way forward. And what stops, especially working with creative people, like who can who can get stuck in, it, they can either be too bound by rules and structure, or they can get they can procrastinate and not move forward. So I'm always big on okay, let's just make let's make decisions. We're going to be moving forward as long as we are we feel free to be able to make mistakes, learn, and keep moving. Indeed, indeed, that's the key. A couple of other things just topical at the moment, and I was just I was curious just to pick your brain on before we get into the case study. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on ChatGPT. Neil Patel just put something out, out yeah, a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah, Did yeah. you see that? Yeah. Because yeah. everyone's saying, oh, it's going to take over Google. Google's like, yeah. Sorry, Neil Patel is like, I think Google's got it covered. What, where do you sit on this? Well, I think he's right. Um, I think he's yeah. right. He could be wrong, but I mostly think he's right. I mean, because Google can be all ChatGPT, they probably already have something like ChatGPT, right? And and they can just use, as as Neil said, like all the the data that ChatGPT doesn't have, and mm. they can use the audience, the data hungry, information hungry audience that they already mm. have, which ChatGPT doesn't have. Mm. I think, yeah, I, I don't think it's a tr- threat to Google by any means. I think I think it's a useful tool, and yes, like it's it's gonna help, you know. Lots of companies, especially, you know, I think operation-wise, we are already experimenting with it in terms of mm-hmm. what it can do. We have our development team really, really start using it now and testing what it can do. There's crazy things you can you can just train it um, with a different model. There's crazy, mm-hmm. like, in-depth, you know, uh, things that you can do if, if you have a good team uh, that understands, you know, development and how to use it. So yep. we are really going to see how we can leverage it to our operations, to our, you know, um, to even even like communications and so on. We are not using it for content. We might use it for some areas of, of, of the content, but not, you know, not to generate actual content. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we are watching it and I'm, I'm by no means I'm not, I'm not an expert in it. And I, I'm pretty yep. sure that you can just, you know, you, you can generate lots of uh, content that will actually rank on Google with it. Of course, I would not recommend just just putting in, um, you know, some brief and then getting the content and publishing it. Of course, mm. probably the clever the clever guys and girls will will just recreate some better content based on what ChatGPT already provides and rewrite it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's, uh, first of all, I don't think it's a threat for, for Google. I don't think... I don't think it's going to replace copywriters by no means, because I think that's been like, oh, it's going to replace. Yeah, it might replace, you know, local T copywriters, but then I think that's a good thing. It will not, it will mm. probably not replace the good copywriters who know how to tell tell a story, how to write, how to. So those will not be replaced. That's my opinion. I, I mean, I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, then that's also fine. It means that we have a very powerful tool 
to use. Yeah. Uh, the probably I won't be I won't be wrong for the next few years. We'll see. I think like I, I heard something a quote last week, which was AI won't replace you. Someone using AI will. And yeah. I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, if I, I think it was actually, I actually think it was a chat GPT. I think chat GPT came up with that. And I think it's brilliant. And I've got, a, I'm a copy, I started, my start in marketing was copywriting. So I've got, still got lots of copywriting friends. I've got the ultimate respect for the trade because I still, at heart, I'm a copywriter. I feel like it. So I feel like that's where all my marketing mm. starts from the words and then everything comes out from there. But I've had disagreements. I've had arguments with copywriting friends who are like, no, it can't replace us. And I'm like, it's not, I, I think you're looking at it too literally. It can be, I'm also a DJ. I DJed for a long time. And I remember the, this is like way off topic, but it's actually the same thing where there was a sync button, which would automatically beat match. You'd have one song coming in, you'd sync the next one and it would automatically come in. And all the old DJs are like, no, no, we need to touch the record, do all that ourselves. And the new DJs are like, yeah, but that's like one little part to this. There's all this other creativity we can now bring to, to this art form. And I feel like, AI, ChatGPT, in terms of copy, it can be just that one little thing, that little spark. That will enhance your capabilities. I think that's what it is. Exactly. That's what it will be. So if yeah. if, if uh, the copywriter is a low quality copywriter, then they might not be able to understand how to leverage ChatGPT mm. to their advantage. Yeah. If they are good, then you can you know leverage it and then you add your own magic to it. Just like yeah. your example with the DJ, um, mm -hmm. just enhances what you already have, right? Yeah, I think there's, Plenty of conversation. I think it's going to be going on for a while. There's going to be so many arguments. They're like, yes and no, yes and no. Like everyone has their own, you know, strong opinion on it. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be on, like unopinionated. So it can be this. It can yeah. be that. We see until we actually, you know, start using it uh, properly. And I, I have like proof. Everything else is just, you know, an opinion until I've actually got some case studies that I can show. Okay, I've launched this. We, you know, we've done this and this, and these are the results, and it works. Or it. it According to this test, it doesn't work. But until I, I don't have that, I, I don't want to be, you know, too opinionated. Or well, not. I still think I think we're too early in for that too because yeah, people yeah. are already sharing those case studies. I, like a, someone I really respect shared a case study today of why AI-driven copy doesn't work. But then someone else I really respect like two days ago showed yeah. me an example of some sites that had been working for six months. Oh, he'd done like a big aggregated study and he had like six months worth of data and they were climbing all through those algorithm changes last year, because I, I don't think the bots care whether a human wrote it or a robot wrote it, as long as it's unique and relevant and fresh. So it's a debate that'll keep going. Yeah, It's going to be entertaining for a while, but I think we will end up landing in a place that it's, that it's accepted as something which, as you say, just you know, promotes better work. Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, so speaking of case studies, let's do it. I'd love to hear a bit of detail. I just want to give a quick little top line summary of what Search Intelligence does just for anyone who didn't listen to the first podcast, and then we can show an example. So do you want to just explain what, what it is that you guys do? Or do you think just getting into the case study is going to explain it best? Well, I think I think I can say what we do. Like we create yep. interesting insights and and even research that we share with, with the press, like real journalists who actually mm -hmm. don't, don't ask for, you know, for money to cover our stories, but they rely on, on, on our stories and on our data, with their own articles in, in their own publications. So we are almost like the research department of journalists, right? We help mm -hmm. journalists to create um, their articles in a, in a faster way, right? And yep. we do this by, you know, having our team members who conduct research. We have data a data team 
who is providing you know data to our PR executives, or we have even PR executives who are analyzing data like more on the on, on the simpler more simple form, and yep. we put that into like a nice email, nice press release, and then send the insights to the journalists. And that's yep. how we earn links in, you know, news publications to our clients' websites. So they are all like white hat, 100% white hat. We don't pay, we never pay for the links. It's a, you yep. know, the biggest insult that we can get from a journalist is when they say, oh, we're going to publish. I mean, they are not a journalist. They cannot be called journalists. They, they say, yeah. oh, we're going to publish this story, but it's going to cost you like 200 pounds. And like the biggest insult they can do, like, it means our, our work is not good enough for you to write yeah. about it. Come on. Right. So yeah. we completely like instantly ban that person from our email list. Um, Got you. So, yeah. So we earn links into um, news publications to our clients' website. And some of these publications are like, you know, uh, Bloomberg, the New York Post, Forbes, many others. And that's, that's kind of what we do. And we do it at like scale. So it's not just, yeah. you know, some, we, have, we have some clients who actually buy like six or eight or even one of them bought 12 campaigns like a, a month. So we, mm-hmm. we really do it at like hyperscale um, and we get the link velocity high when, when needed. A couple of things that stood out when you were explaining this on our first chat. Firstly, that one of those key hires for you early on was actually getting a PR person in-house because lots of SEO agencies would just go, oh, we should do that. There's lots of money in that. Let's just build stories and sell them to journalists. But if you're not a PR person or a journalist, like you don't have the right lens. And you mentioned that it's because usually an SEO agency will come from the, the point of view of the product. And you're like, no one cares about the product. It's a story no, first, yeah. which, you know, yeah. yeah. Many, many clients, like many potential clients ask like, oh, how they start, you know, telling us about their service and product. Like, like don't tell me about this. They're like, what? Like, we don't care about that. And they're like, this guy's crazy. But we do, yeah. I mean, we care. Of course we care, but I had to make a point. Right, yeah. so we care about what stories we can find where we can put them as the experts in their field. Yeah, um, and that's how this works. Cool. All right, so let's let's do it. Let's talk through a success story from one of your PR link building campaigns. What do you got for us? So th- this story that I've kind of ha- have here on my screen, it's a very simple one, and like almost anyone can do it if they have the agility to find these trends. So for mm-hmm. this story, we have used Google Trends. To create, you know, an interesting insight, uh, we have a, a an, an insurance client who also do like home insurance and you know life insurance, and we thought this is kind of almost like a lifestyle and home related story where we can put them forward as the entity who discovered this little Google trend, and let me show you what happened and then to what publications we uh, reached out. So let me share the screen now. Can I ask a question while you're doing that too? Yeah. So is this your data team that's just pouring, looking for weird our whole blips team. in the radar? Like it's your whole team? Okay. Like 50 people are always, yeah. if they find something, they just share it in the channel. Say, if you have a client in this niche, I've just discovered this and it's the cumulative yeah. effort of 50 people where we always yeah. find, you know, interesting insights and we just share it. So if somebody's got uh, a client, you know, a, a team member, a client assigned in that industry, we can leverage that, that trend. So it's it's it's. Lit- I think the, the biggest power of of our companies is in the fact that we have so many people. And yeah. even today, one of our team members just shared. I think they discovered they, sh- they said like, "Oh, Microsoft is down in like the UK." And then we put in the channel. I think some we already do something you know on on this topic for one of our clients. And it was yeah. only because that person who doesn't even work in like the PR department had discovered something and she put it in the channel so that others could see it. 
I so it's and do you uh, find that like so you've got fifty odd people and you, you obviously you you had your, that first hire I mentioned it was a PR person but over time are they just getting better at oh my god are they getting a better spidey sense for oh god, for good yeah, stories yeah. like yeah the, the level of skills that we have now in the team is just compared to one and a half years ago when we had like you know two skilled people now yeah. we have like dozens of skills it's it's just and it's we are only start starting like we are all like it's really really the snowball effect of you know mm. people getting better and better just amazing that's going to be inspiring for you just seeing that grow and seeing them seeing the people grow and i know just being around more and more clever people it, it gives you a buzz especially Indeed. if you're a part Indeed. of building it can you see my screen i can so the people who are listening as opposed to watching you'll have to talk through it as well there'll be both okay great so we have a, a, a client called Airplan Insurance. They are one of the biggest, you know, insurance companies in the UK, and and we run lots of stories for them on various topics. Either you know, uh, they have like home insurance, they have uh, life insurance, car insurance, yep. travel insurance. So they're quite a big big broker covering many aspects. And for this story, we have discovered that the searches for electric blankets exploded mm -hmm. in October. And it's a mm -hmm. massive spike. It's a huge spike. Like people started, you know, Googling for electric blankets. Yep. And you've got, what, five years of trends there. And it's yeah. a huge so it's spike. Yeah. spike right? it, and it's because, yep. you know, people are worried about their energy bills. And, you know, the energy yep. is you know, very expensive now. So they were looking ah. for a solution to lower their energy yep. bills. And electric blankets seemed like, a, you know, like a, an interesting solution for them because many people started and Googling for, for this product. So we found this, we quickly put this in an email and we have sent it out to the UK uh, national and regional uh, publications, such as, you know, mm -hmm. the Express. Let me, let me just show you uh, who picked it up, like Glasgow Live, MSN, uh, it's a syndicated one. They got, they, they, we got like a DR90 as well. Stoke Sentinels, wow. you know, lots of, uh, you know, in your area.co.uk. So lots of yep. big publications picked up the story. And you know, as you can see it here, we got like quite quite good links to our, our client who we mm -hmm. put forward as the the entity who has discovered the insights, right? So yeah. Yeah. he commissioned us to you know to find the insights and we have uh, operated on their behalf. And therefore, you know, Apply Insurance is the entity who is being credited for it because of course they they are we are we are part of their team now, right? Because they uh -huh. together, and that's how we earn. You know, as you can see here. So we've got another publication here. There's yep. a link there. Yeah, yep. Oh, this is this is another story, by the way. This is a um, yeah. That's for how to improve your fuel efficiency. Yeah, it's, it's a it's okay. almost the same. But that's an expert commentary. But this one, yeah. So MSN, Stoke Sentinel, Glasgow Live, all of them. As you can see, the DRs like DR eighty nine, DR seventy one, DR ninety two, wow, DR seventy four. So. Quite good publications story. And this is how, you know, this is how it works. If you can find a unique insight, a unique data um, about a topic that is, you know, is related to your client. Uh, and this mm -hmm. is related because they are like, you know, home insurance and life insurance and it's kind of lifestyle. So this was quite a good opportunity. I think that's interesting too. If I could just jump in. We spoke a moment about, ago about what like, people don't want to, they don't want a story about life insurance. Like they nobody don't want a story will, about nobody, the product. Yeah, nobody will cover. Nobody no one's going to cover it. Oh, yeah. But taking a step back and going, okay, well, this is what you do. It's insurance. It's lifestyle. How? What's impacting our lifestyles right Indeed. now and fuel Indeed. crisis at the time? So that's that's an important distinction there of that really taking a step back and looking at it from a, you know, how does this 
business? How does this product, how does my client impact society? What exactly. is their role? Yeah. Exactly. And also they have like car insurance. And here, as, as you've seen, we have mm. put the client forward as the expert in, you know, driving and how can you make your petrol last longer, right? And this yep. is why, you know, A-Plan, this is a quite a reputable news publications in your area. It's got like uh, 7 million, uh, 8 million uh, users per month. So it's quite, mm -hmm. quite a reputable news publication. And you cannot just buy a link here. You have to uh, create something interesting that their audience will love, share it with, you know, their journalists. And that's how mm -hmm. they will cover, you know, you or your client by providing value to their audience. Right? And yep. then we have like a car insurance product. And this is perfect because now we can put them forward as, you know, this actually speaks to drivers who all yeah. need car insurance, right? So it's it's a good um, you know it's a good link for them because it it literally gets them in in front of their audience. So there's that relevance that Google likes as well. Indeed, indeed. So what what sort of results are we talking here? Like in terms of like how many links are you able to to drive for them? And it depends are they on seeing... from campaign yeah. to campaign. So this campaign got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 16, like probably around 20, 20 links overall. Typically a campaign will get like eight to 12 links, right? That's yeah. kind of a typical link number for a campaign, but, but sometimes we even get like a hundred links or, you know, even more. Uh, look at this fuel efficiency. It's got like, you know, all the mm. regionals. Look at this. Look, this, mm. it's got like dozens, dozens yeah. of links, right? Everywhere, Oxford Mail, like look at these DRs. So it really depends yeah. on on, you know, some of them are syndicated, but and we well, we don't we don't count the syndicated ones as you know part of the KPIs. But but overall, you you get per campaign you will get like around eight to twelve links. Sometimes you know twenty, as you can see with this other one is like sixteen, or sometimes you yep. get even a hundred links. We we just had a, another campaign in December which landed like over a hundred links for one of our clients. So that can happen. I don't want people to expect that. You know that's a very yeah. realistic expectation. That's what's caught fire. Yeah. yeah. I would say eight to twelve links is is a is a normal you know range for a typical campaign. And with those syndicated ones, so could you just explain for people who aren't sure what that means? So syndicated one is you know some sometimes you have news publications that publish stories and they have like different regional publications. And sometimes one of the stories will get published on other on other news publications that's part of their network. And they'll and cite that. Do they cite the original source, or how does that work? Yes, yeah, so do, do you get a link? They do canonical. So this one, for example, yep. if we inspect, uh, if you view page source, you see this this website is southwellsguardian.co.uk, but they say yep. canonical, like the actual Northern URL Echo. is uh, the Northern Echo, right? And, and gotcha. they instruct Google. So Google will not treat these links as, you know, like duplicate links. And in fact, I think if you, if you Google the actual um, story, you will see lots of these. Let, let, me, let me see. If, if we Google the story multiple websites will actually rank or, uh -huh. so they actually are they are being indexed by google all of these right yeah and yep. and we, which means they still have even even they are you know syndicated they still have value because even google yeah. is displaying that i mean this is not you know i'm not saying they have like a like massive value but i think they still syndicated one they still have value they still have traffic you know these websites have have got mm -hmm. like you know their own audience, right? Each of the each of the mm -hmm. websites, they will all get you know eyeballs independently. In terms of like your measurement with your clients, it's like the you know eight to twelve high authority links. 
But these are pretty high traffic sites, so they, they must be getting a big spark in uh, traffic as well. Sometimes, yes, but we don't measure that. Uh, yeah. some, sometimes yeah. we could get spikes in traffic, but we, do, we don't measure that. That's not something that we measure. Mm-hmm. We just aim okay. to, get, to get them, you know, the best links possible. And, and most important, I think, to get them consistent links flowing to their website. I think link velocity is something that our service is really addressing. And with this service, you, you know, with, with digital PR, you can actually get high link velocity and not get into trouble with Google because mm-hmm. the link velocity with guest blogs, I mean, I'm not dismissing guest, guest posts. They are great, yeah. you know, especially the ones, you know, when you pay for the links and most of them are like paid guest blogs, right? That's what everyone mm-hmm. is doing and they still work. But if you try to up the link velocity, then you will like get into trouble. With this one, yeah. you can get as many links as you want to because you will never get into trouble. They are all earned links on proper mm. news websites so you will never get into trouble and th- i think this is what digital pr is addressing you know get the link velocity high and get like you know dozens of links per month or sometimes yep. even hundreds of links per month to a website without getting into trouble with google and that's why yep. this are, like digital pr is so special so is your team then just so I, so myself and so our listeners can get an understanding like are they spending more time trying to you know, scan the news and what's happening in the news and what's what's trending at the time or is it is it in things like google trends or is it both like i think both yeah yeah both we always you look at twitter twitter trends yeah you know always you know every every day check the news websites what, what are the news websites talking about google trends you know if whatever you know prince and harry you know does something and then yeah. is there something that you know is being affected by that behavior so it's always you know, look look for clues, look for, you know, ideas of what else, what can be affected by a certain event, what other, you yeah. know, areas, like with the energy crisis, right? There's energy crisis. What could people be looking for? And then maybe I think probably one of our team members has read an article that said, you know, like these are the tips that you can, these are the things that you can do to save yeah. energy. And then they have probably seen, you know, electric blankets somewhere, in, uh, like as a recommendation. And then they might have go, gone to Google yeah. Trends and say like, oh, there's a spike for this. Yeah, um, I see, I see, I see. Just make yeah. connections somehow. You know, yeah. Keep receptors open for, you know, different things. But then you've talked a bit about link velocity. Like, but then there's a, this comes back to what we spoke to before around as you build, keeping agile, keeping a business which can be agile. Because the velocity from the seed idea to sprout, like you need to execute on this quick. This is yeah. reactive. Yeah, it's, um, it's how, yeah, sometimes it's even one hour. So I know we had like, yeah. a, I think Cloudflare dropped. And then we had like, I, th- I think if I remember well, we had to like execute in one hour because in one hour, Cloudflare comes back. But yeah. Who is talking within that hour, all the journalists yeah. are like on fire. They wake up from their sleep and they start writing because some, something happened in the world. So yeah. after even like after two, three hours, it's um, every, everything you do is irrelevant. So sometimes you have to be very, very, you know, very fast in execution. Well, it's like we always say, you know, agency life is like, you know, number of clients, you've got different deadlines, you've got, you know, you're compartmentalizing through the day, it's a quick pace. Lots of people are built for agencies, like because of the fact it does move so fast, but it sounds like yours is like that on steroids because not only is it agency, but it's agency news driven and execution, like that turnaround of execution needs to be so quick. One thing that we don't do is we don't get people to work outside hours if they don't want to. So we never... We never ever expect anyone to work outside the, the eight hours of work and a four day work week. So we work from Monday. Oh, to, yeah. We work from Monday to Thursday, 
and we never expect anyone to do any work or any email, any message outside those eight hours. Some people do it, but but we don't expect them to do it. If they want to do it on their own, it's fine, but we never yep. have any expectations of them replying a client email or replying a Slack message, or even yep. when I put a Slack message in, in one channel outside working hours, uh, I always, you know, say like, you don't need to respond now. And, and I think we respect this, but but within those eight hours, it's it's crazy. It's as you said, yeah. steroids. Like we have eight hours, four days, and then everyone's like like insane those uh, okay. hours. That actually makes a bit more sense now because I do remember reading that that you got you know your four days, thirty two hours. I remember thinking, but that's eight hours of lost productivity. Is it not that I can see now that you're you're, you're cramming a lot in there? With, yeah, we, um, like we we you know people know that they need to be sharply focused, and you know yeah. It's 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 been great. It's been really, and it's also forcing us, you know, to come up with super intelligent systems to support them and make yeah. sure they they can still perform in those eight hours. And you know, just setting the expectations of the company, like you know, we we love we love everyone, and we are here to support you. But we expect you know extreme focus in those eight hours of work, and yeah. and everyone is like really really taking this on board. Awesome, very well. Thanks so much for for peeling behind the curtain again oh, and sharing yeah. some more specifics around around that campaign. That you know the tactics, and I even just love the way that the thoughts come together. That story about the oh, yeah. you know seeing electric blankets a couple of times in storage and going, is there something there? Data, go to Google Trends. Yes, there is something there. That's that kind of stumbling on those things. That's a that's that's a yeah, really cool. And it's a big adrenaline rush when you know people. Just yeah. are like, oh, I'm going to put this together and fire it out, and then when the links start landing, you're like, yes. Right. And are you just on that? But you need to get a quote from the client as well. Wow, you've got to do a lot in that short time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really it's really tough. Of course, sometimes we have to do five of these or even ten of these campaigns to have one successful. So yep. it's not like oh, we just you know spend like an hour on this. And uh, some of course some some, some clients. I mean, they don't, they don't see this, but sometimes we do a story, it doesn't land. Another story, it doesn't land. And then we just play the yeah. numbers game with the reactives because most of the campaigns will probably not land anything. And then some of them will land and then that will compensate for the rest, right? Got you, got you. It's, it's really a numbers game with, with, with reactives. Awesome, Ferry. Thank you again. So good to have you back. We're definitely. I want to hear what's what's going on in this new secret building of yours. So, oh, would you yeah. mind coming back again and sharing? I'll, I'll have a walkthrough when when we are ready, and then you know, we can have cool. a live introduction on your podcast. That would be super cool, Ferry. I'd love that. Awesome. Well, that was uh, Ferry Kazoni for round two of SEO success stories, just lifting the lid again on their PR link building strategies. If you've enjoyed this episode, reach out to Ferry on LinkedIn. Best place to catch you. Yeah. Reach out to Ferry on LinkedIn. You know where to find us on LinkedIn, Russ McCumber. If you have really enjoyed it, we'd love a review. We are, I keep saying this every episode, but we're on an Apple podcast review hunt at the moment. We're up to around 55, 60. So we'd love some more. It's a nice little podcast, but we do have some very, very passionate listeners. If you are one of those, get on board, write us five stars and let other people know. Great to have you on, Ferry. We'll be back again in two weeks' time for another episode of SEO Success Stories. Thanks so much.